Hello and welcome to On and Off the Pitch. It is an interview with, and today I'm joined by Courtney Sweetman Kirk. She is more than a football player. She is a media pundit, and we're going to find out a little bit more about that side of her life as well as her playing side. Courtney, thank you for agreeing to speak with me. No problem. You've you've made me sound more grand there, I think, than what I actually do. But I, I'll roll with it. I'll take that for sure. Well, I did say that I would try and make you laugh, so I had to try. At, to try <laughs> somewhere. I had to try somewhere. Um, before we get into kind of the, the areas that I want to kind of find out about, how have you been today? I've been good. Um, I've been, I say busy, um, not busy with work. I've been randomly up to a farm, um, one of my friend's farms, and they've been lambing recently. So I've been feeding uh, little baby lambs, which has been a bit of a departure to my normal day, but needed all the same. Now, I need to kind of go, I need to ask a little bit more about this lambing thing. <laughs> you know, I, I thought we were going to talk football and sport. What is this lambing? Yeah, so there's obviously sort of springtime. Um, it's, it's a busy time, sort of all the lambs um, being born. And they've got a, so I live in Leicestershire and they've got a farm up in Rutland Water, which is a really nice um, area of Leicestershire, really nice farm as well. So yeah, they've got lambs, pigs, horses, cows, the lot. And I'm a, I'm a big animal lover. So any, any time that I get to muck in, I'm, I'm quite happy to be honest. Oh, that's good. Um, the topics that we want to cover today kind of go over four areas. Um, a pundit's life, a footballer's life, how you balance the two, um, the beginnings of your footballing career, what I call from yesterday to today, and the next steps. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds daunting, doesn't it? But it's not. <laughs> it's not. I just brand just titles. Um, obviously, we're speaking on the day when it's a social media blackout, right? So I want to ask you, you know, from a footballer's point of view, how important is this action for you? I think it's important, but for me, it's very much a start point. Um, this will not change anything as an action on it on its own. And the 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 wording as well that come out of, of the big statement as a symbolic gesture, and I think it's just that. And I don't want to take away from that and whether it be taking the knee or the Black Lives Matter on the shirt or the no room for racism on shirts. I wholeheartedly support that. But this needs to be a start and there needs to be actions behind the gestures. And I hope for me that and I, I want to be a part of that going forward, that this is the plan of, of the start of something bigger, because whether it be, you know, football. I think micro, uh, football is a microcosm of society. So if we can be the start to this, then great. But there needs to be more done. So whether it's by the social media companies, whether it's um, legis legislative measures by the government, at the end of the day, there's, there's two ways for me that there needs to go down, whether it's racism or discrimination, everything else in between. There needs to be sanctions by whether it be government, by the police and, and everyone else in between and the social media companies. And there also needs to be an education um, deeper in, into why, you know, we need to understand why people do this and educate them not to do it in the right way. So it's a great start, but we've got a long way to go. You know, I, I asked the question 
Um, and I'm really glad you said what you said. I'll answer you the question as a player because I know that you have a pundit's hat on because you, you, you've done commentary for, for Sky Sports. As, as a someone who's, who commentates, is it a different view or is it the same? No, it's definitely the, it's definitely the same um, as, a, as a person, as a player, as a pundit. I think I'm very honest with my punditry, but I think sometimes you do sit there and you think if I say this, and this player maybe gets targeted or mm. people agree with my opinion, are they then going to go and abuse them um, on social media? So I would never say I'm not honest um, with what I say, but I do think that's a worry in the back of my head. I don't worry too much about me um, in terms of if I say something, that the, the trolls will come on Twitter. I think my first and foremost is if I say something about this player, um will it impact on them which is a sad world that we live in because you know you, you never want anyone to be abused for for anything um whether it's their gender whether it's their you know ethnicity and, and anything else in between so i think yeah with every hat on um I, I would say i'm very similar in my viewpoint well you know we've definitely kind of gone into the the, the pundits life and how you balance the football because i've thought to myself when i saw what you did i thought okay today is a really pivotal day someone who does both you have a different mindset the question that i had for you and you kind of touched on it already is are you mindful about when you're passing judgment on football players in the terms of their positional awareness their errors in front of goal the passes that they should have made and you've hinted at that already yeah without a doubt i don't think that it that it ever stops me um but what i would say is when i do criticize and and this is just i think a general thing regardless i've always wanted to to do it with analysis behind it so if i give my opinion on why i think something isn't right i give my viewpoint on the analysis so this isn't right because of this i think this player should have done this because of this so it's not i know it is always my opinion as a pundit but I always like to back it up with, with the, the football technical, tactical analysis to make everyone understand my viewpoint and why I'm saying it. And this is the great thing about football. It's full of opinions. Everyone's got one. Um, but th there's always, a, a, like I say, a technical, a tactical, a psychological reasoning behind why I say what I say. And I would never like to take away that that part of me of why I say something and also then from a player's perspective I would never want a pundit not to say something because they're 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 thinking about that or the the background that it, it's going to get or the backlash so it, it's difficult but I always like to think if there's a grounding behind it like if you don't like me as a pundit because of my opinion then that's fine if you don't like me because I'm mixed race or I'm a woman or you don't think I should be playing football that's a different matter. I can't commentate on men's football because I'm a female. That's different. If you tell me I don't agree with your opinion, then we'll say brilliant. You know, people that know me will know that I absolutely love a debate. So if you want to get into a, a heated, you know, opinion-based debate with me, I'll sit there and debate all day and I love it. And then I'll shake your hand. Well, maybe not now. We'll fist bump at the end of it because of social distancing and all the rest of it. But take me on what I am and my opinion, not, not, of, not anything else in between. Okay, I want to I want to come back to what you've just said, but there's a there's I want to take you back to the beginning of it, or maybe the previous statement, when you talked about you're mindful. So 
when you're commentating with everything that's happening in terms of today's media blackout in terms of the abuse you demonstrate and this is me putting words into your mouth and you can disagree or not that you have a duty of care to the yeah. player that you're talking about Am I without a doubt without a doubt i think there's there's always a, a a duty of care to the to just in life the people around you and you never know what's going on in between you know between someone's ears up here um in their head and I think it's easy for again the general public to look at footballers and think they've got everything they've got this they've got that they've got money they've got a nice house but that that doesn't stop you know how how they are as a person and, and who they are and, and mental health issues they might be having so I will never turn around and say that footballer that's rubbish and that's it I can say that was a rubbish pass because of x y and z and he probably should have done this or she should have done this. Or that's not a great shot because you've hit it straight at the keeper. And as strikers, from when you're this high, you're told to go across the keeper because then if it parries out, then it's a tap-in. So I can say that and I can say that from experience, but I will never go just towards someone's character because, you know, I've, I've seen it in terms of mental health issues within football. I'll be, I'll be quite candid and honest with you. I've lived it at some points as well. Um, so yeah, there's always a, a mindfulness for me, but again, that's just in general life, treat people in the way that, that you'd like to be treated. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned so many things that I'm kind of picking up on that I do want to ask you, but I want to get these questions out first. As a pundit and a footballer, how have you found life in general? How have you balanced the two worlds? I think probably as a female footballer growing up in the generation that I have quite I wouldn't say easy but I think prof women's professional football hasn't been full-time for a very long time um, and we've also always pretty much always been told get your education and do this because if women's football you can't make a living from it or the money you can make from it isn't great or if you get injured x y and z so I think there's always been that sort of thing in me where I have, I did my undergraduate while I was playing. I did my postgraduate while I was playing. So I've always probably been very good at my time management anyway. So I think it's been, it's been easy. I wouldn't say easy, but I've got a good grounding from that perspective. And I think you see it now, actually, you know, even more men's pundits, you've got, you know, Troy Deeney and, and uh, Charlie Austin who are still playing. Um, that are on TalkSport. I did a soccer special um, with quite, you know, quite a few players that are still playing. Gareth Ainsworth has, has been on soccer specials and he's still managing. So I think there's, in the past, there's been a, a bit of the thing with sports people. And I know Serena Williams got a lot of stick as well earlier in her career. Well, if you're doing that or you're doing your clothing line or you're doing punditry, then you're obviously not serious about your sport. And it's not about that. And for me, I've always been, I love football and I'm, deep in it 100% but sometimes that did affect my mental health because I was so much uh, engrossed in that that I couldn't see anything else so for me if anything doing stuff outside of football has helped me in my life but then made me enjoy my football even more so it, it's been hard but I think it's you prioritize things in the right way and I would never um, do anything that takes away from my football because that's still my priority but you know, as I say, I'm, I'm living my best life at the minute and I will keep on doing that. <laughs> I love that. Living my best life. That's right. Live your best life. 
you do that and, and why not and i salute you for it um undergraduate postgraduate what did you study undergraduate the standard i play football so i'm going to do sports science at loughborough it was up the road okay. um so you know one of those but i did um my postgraduate in sports business i did that via leeds beckett distance learning um and again i sort of did it to bridge that gap being full-time and full-time football and you come back and you, you've got your evenings to yourself and you know at night I found myself you know kicking about sitting on the sofa not doing a lot so I wanted to do something um useful with my time let's say and like I say I I need something almost at times to detract from from the football so it was a it was a, a nice I say distraction but it, it obviously with sports business it, it worked very well so and I, I think eventually well initially before I got into media stuff I, I still wanted to stay in football but I knew coaching was never for me um so why? the sort of sports business why, why coaching <laughs> never for you this is the I had a question for you lined up later and you've jumped to it so why well you know what the more I talk to different ex-pros and, and through media and stuff they say my opinion might change but I did some coaching I've got my badges did my level two and I think while I'm playing, I wanted to get too involved. And maybe when I retire, that might change. But for me, why I firmly feel like I'm still a player, I find it hard to coach uh, because I just want to get in there and do it and say, this is how you do it. Maybe when my legs give up and I can't kick it properly, then I'll be a better coach. Mm. But um, yeah, the idea behind that was that coaching didn't really appeal to me. Um, and again, probably a few years ago, you're looking at big female coaches in the game there probably wasn't that pathway and now you've got you know fantastic coaches in the likes of Emma Hayes and Casey Stoney and um, is it Gemma at Villa so you've got more female coaches coming through the game so again once that pathway develops then you're looking at it thinking actually this is something that I can do um, but I'm probably looking at be more behind the scenes in terms of maybe the general management director of football sort of area so that's why then I am embarked on the sports business. Okay, well, I tell you what, we will come back to that question at the end and see whether you've changed your mind. <laughs> um, obviously, you are doing the punditry. You said something about, I don't know if I caught it right, and you said you, you couldn't comment on men's football, but I'm sure I heard you doing commentary, co-commentary on, on, on men's football. I'm sure yeah, so I, I, I do a lot of men's football. I think sometimes that's a... It, it was more me talking about some of the comments that you, you tend right. to get as why why is a female commentating on men's football and it's like well I've, they've never seen football. you play really if they've seen you play they'd know I'd like to think so but I, I, I like to be taken for my merits and I think throughout my life I've, I'd like to say I'm a grafter so if I do anything I, I don't want to be there because I'm Courtney Sweetman-Kirk and I've played for X, Y and Z and mm. you know that let's not lie that gets you through the door. It does. And I'm not going to tell you any different. But when I get there, I want to, I want to be there and I want to be good at what I do. So it's not just a case of you go on air or you go on radio and that's it. There's a, I like to do my prep. Um, I like to look into it. Again, it's because I love the game. So it, again, it's, it's not easy, but it is easy because when you, you know, you study something you're interested in, you enjoy it. So yeah, I do. I do both a, a good mix of men's and women's football. I do talk sport co-commentary. I do the the sort of Sky and, and the sock specials for them. So again, it, you know, it's it's eleven v eleven at the end of the day. It's it's twenty two 
men, women, people on a pitch. And that doesn't really change. Yeah, there's there's slightly different styles between both games. And let's not get away from it. Men are anatomically very different to women. So they are faster and stronger. But I think, and this goes, you know, this is probably another tangent entirely, but I think people that sometimes don't appreciate women's football are so content on comparing it to men's where if you take it on its own merit, it's a fantastic game. It, it is. I'm a, a true advocate of it, obviously. I've, uh, that's why I've been fortunate enough to speak to you. But um, it is a very different thing. You mention, obviously, you, you talk about the commentary. You, you commentated on a Sheffield United game, the men's team. Yeah. How did, how did, that, did you get any abuse for that? No, actually. Um, I was quite fortunate. I think, you know, being within the club, it, it was actually the game they got relegated, which was against Wolves, which was really sad. I think, you know, the club, we, we train at the academy and, and we've not had, you know, this year it's very, very different because of, of the COVID bubbles and everything. But the girls, you know, that tell me from last season that were there, the normally a lot to do with, you know, the guys and, you know, say hello. And I know Chris Wilder and, and Carla Ward at the time, they spoke and I'm sure Chris and, and uh, Redders, the gaffer, spoke quite a lot. So, you know, the, you know, it is what it is. That's football. Unfortunately, they're in this position again. I'd like to think that, you know, I don't come in for too much stick because I, I try to be very honest and I try to back up my, um, my thoughts and my feelings with with facts or at least technical and, and tactical detail. So it was difficult. It was it was hard to see and, and hard to see the lads, you know, getting relegated. But hopefully they'll that they'll bounce back and there's a there's a bigger plan for the club going forward because I think that needs to happen now um, for them because the championship again that's something I've enjoyed. I've done a lot of of championship this season. So seeing. Um, more of the EFL that the championship is such a competitive league so it's going to you know there's no doubt about it it's going to be very difficult for them to 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 get out of that league but hopefully that you know they've got the tools to do that next season yeah, so well I'm you know I listened to that game and you were commentating I would never have known that you were associated with the club because of the way you spoke about the play it, you're very balanced and, and and you were honest with everything you know, and I, yeah. I actually thought that was really nice to hear that. It's, and sometimes you can listen to former players and they are so one-sided in the men's game. Like, it's ridiculous. But listening to you, I was thinking, OK. And I found I was listening to the game almost by accident and it was you. And I was like, OK, wow, you're commentating on, on Sheffield United's game. Very neutral. So and that's why I asked the question, did you get any abuse? And I'm glad you didn't because thank you. there's so much of it about at the moment. And obviously, we've, we've talked a lot about the the social media blackout and, and uh, what your realistic expectations are in terms of action. Right, we've done that. Let's talk about the footballer's life, your journey. Yeah, you're, you're currently at Sheffield United, but let's talk about where it all began for you. Where did it begin for you? It began um, at school with the boys, although even before that, my mum, it was quite funny because my dad sort of grew up around um, America and all over the place. My granddad had a really good job. So they traveled Chicago, Mexico. So he grew up playing NFL, American football, does not really into football at all. My mom, you know, standard would watch the World Cup, support England, but didn't have a team. And somehow I was always kicking something about, she tells me. And at four years old, I'm asking her to stay up and watch Match of the Day. And we don't really know where it came from. 
Um, but yeah, sort of grew up on the estate, always out and about with the boys and, and at school. I had a really, really good teacher at primary school um, that sort of, at, th at that time, girls playing football wasn't, you know, as popular or as common as it is. And, and sort of he started up a girls team as well. So, and really sort of encouraged me, which was great. And again, all the way through school, I think, you know, thinking back at it now and looking at some of the journeys that, that other girls had, I was very fortunate and had teachers and, and people in my life that were, that were fantastic. And it was quite funny, actually. So I, um, me and Remy Allen, who now plays for Leicester and played for Reading and, and numerous other teams, fantastic footballer. We played in the same boys team um, for a good few years, Bushby United. And it was really funny because we'd turn up. And you know what? It was never an abuse from the opposite team in terms of players. It was always the parents going, oh, they've got two girls playing and who do they think they are and all the rest of it. And then we're the two best players on the pitch. So it was, you know, I had a lot of support, but also I almost liked that bit of it, of, of proving people wrong. Um, which was which was always quite fun, um, and yeah, just went through the um, me and Remy went through the the centre of excellence at Leicester. Um, again, both playing first team football at fifteen, which wouldn't happen now. But obviously, the women's landscape was was very different, and and played for them. And that's when we went up to the first team and was playing like players with Rachel Williams, which I can assure you is definitely a baptism of fire at fifteen. Um, and yeah, just just progressed through then and. I think I've always tried to move, had, a, you know, a few different moves. I've been lucky enough to play for sort of started off at Leicester, went to Coventry. Then I believe it was Notts County, well, slash Lincoln, um, Donny Bells, Everton, Liverpool. And I've always tried to move for, to, to better my career. And I think I've, I've always done that. And it's something that I look back at now. And um, I've tried to be very true to myself in that sense and just very, you know, grateful for what the game's given me. Played up to under-23 level um, for England. Team GB, gold medal, university games. So, yeah, like, football's took me all over the world and it, it's, it's you know, kept me out of trouble as well. Like I say, I grew up on the estate where, uh, you know, a lot of people were getting into a lot of trouble, I suppose. But football was, you know, it was always, that's the girl that plays football and, and don't mess about with her. And I say, when you play football with normally 10, 20 other lads, you, you've got 10, 20 other lads that, you know, uh, quite fond of you. So don't you don't get yourself into too much trouble, which is nice. Um, but yeah, fo football's given me a lot of things. Um, and, you know, I like to try and, um, you know, give, give back to football in that sense as well. So, you know, obviously you've kind of given me a, a really quick journey of where you were, Notts County, Donny Bells. You were there for two years, right? It seems like anyone who's anyone has played for Doncaster Bells. It's like, yeah, you, you're not really a player unless you played for them. So, yeah, Don, Donny Bells, obviously, it was, um, you know, you look at that team we had at the time Beth England, Millie Bright, Victoria Williams, like Sue Smith, Leandra Little, like an absolutely ridiculous team. Um, and yeah, definitely some of my best memories um, in football. We, without a doubt, it's funny actually. I was talking to Leandra yesterday at training and we were talking about one of our presentation nights. And to be honest, I can't divulge too much information because it was a, it, it was a good night. Let's put it that way. But yeah, you just look back at it and you, you know, played with some fantastic players, some, some great managers. And it was, um, it's a shame that, you know, they're probably sort of a, a dynasty within women's football. And it's a shame that they can't be within the, you know, the championship and, and the WSL and, you know, but that's the powers that be that the game has to move on. And, but yeah, two, two years of fantastic memories. 
That's good. So, I mean, obviously, you, you really smiled when you mentioned that period in time. Your, your favourite memories throughout all of your playing day times, Everton, Liverpool, where you are now, where, where would your favourite memories be based? It's difficult. I've got, I think I've been so privileged. I've got so many. I think for me, representing my country was always a massive thing. Um, so to do that at every level up to 23s and as I say the the team GB gold medal definitely stands out again you're looking at the the squad we had full of internationals you know Frank Kirby and um, Mary Ertz was in goal again Victoria Williams was there and she's at Brighton now so throughout the team just an absolutely fantastic team Dan Carter as well um, what a player she is and, and a fantastic person so absolutely brilliant so that was great I think Everton was was a, a big move for me. So that initial move um, was fantastic. I've got so much time for, for Andy Spence and Marty Ho, um, especially Marty's now at Man United and I'm so happy for him because he is probably one of the best, if not the best technical coaches I have ever worked with. The, the things that, the way he describes things is just a different level and the way that they used to complement each other because Andy was probably more of a man manager um, and, and Marty had the technical detail and, you know, being at Finch Farm and, you know, Dave Unsworth, who's now at the 23s, used to come over quite often and coach us. So, yeah, that was a, a fantastic period of time. But again, you know, at, at Liverpool, had some great times as well. And, and probably one of the reasons I got into media was through Chris Kirkland being there and, um, and yeah, talking to him. So every, I think every, you know, period of time in your life, you know, there's, there's memories to take, good and bad, but, you know, there's the, the bad, really, you don't think about when you've had as many good memories as I have. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that respect. That's good. So it was Chris Copeland that actually opened the door for you. What did he do in particular? Was it? A... Yeah, definitely. So again, it was while I was doing my, um, my master's and I was just thinking about, like I say, I've always been quite wary of what I'm going to do after football and, 2016 I think it was I had quite a serious injury um broke my fib um and I've still got the plate and the screws in there to prove it so yeah didn't know if I was going to play again but and was told I might not do but again that's like red rag to a ball with me um so that was I will play and I will prove you wrong but yeah so I was always quite wary that you you never you're only an injury away you know from not playing so I, I know we did a bit of media stuff and I said Chris look have you got anyone I can talk to and just more of a, it was just to sound things out, really. And, and, you know, it was more a thought of Alex Scott was doing very well at the time and, and still does. And maybe just thinking, right, what can I do? Who can I talk to? What sort of things can I do now um, to maybe go in down that avenue later? And he just said, you know what? He's a Leicester boy as well. He said, let me speak to my sort of media agent, AD, he's based in Leicester as well. Um, and it just went from there, really. And it went from thinking that I was going to get a bit of, you know, knowledge and, and talk to a few people, then speaking to AD and meeting him for a coffee. And it was, right, well, we'll get you doing the Women's Conti Cup final on Sky. Um, and I was like, wow, okay. And yeah, that was sort of the March just before, just before lockdown. Um, and yeah, it's just sort of spiralled. And again, it, I make myself laugh because I always feel like someone's going to pick me up at any minute and go, yeah, you've had your fun now. Um, you've been blagging it for the last year. Um, off you go, you've had your fun. Um, so yeah, it was just one of them. You, you, I fell into it, but I'm, I'm very grateful that I did. And 
you know, as I say, I'm living my best life and I will do it until someone tells me otherwise. That's great. I want to ask you a bit about the, obviously your prep for your commentary. How long does it take to prep? Uh, it depends on the team. So if it's a team, for example, that I've covered quite a lot this season, then I will already have, because I'll like obviously write a lot down um, and, you know, screenshot stuff on my phone and have stuff on my iPad. So what now I, I try to do is build up a bit of a database. So every time I, I do something for a team, then I'll get to, to where I am. If it's a new team or, you know, someone maybe, because I do all the way from women's Premier League all the way down to, to League Two. So it's, it's completely dependent. I think at the start, I was obviously like very, not that I'm not fastidious now, but I probably overthought it to an, to an extent and I'd probably spend like a, a full day on it. Whereas now, I've, if I give myself a, a good couple of hours, I would say, um, I'm, I'm quite good on that. But then that's just maybe just the writing stuff down and looking and I save, you know, the EFL quest shows and match of the days and look through footage. So it, yeah, I like I like to do enough. I, I don't I don't like to go into it cold. I'd never do that. Um, but yeah, I think think the less that I know the team, obviously, the more prep I do. But you know, anywhere from two to to five hours. But again, it's hard to put a time frame on it because I, I love what I do and I love the game. So I'm always watching some form of football anyway. So you know, it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a massive name drop here. But when I did my first Amazon and I was sitting with Alan Shearer, right. and it was like. We looked at each other and he was like, isn't it mad? Like we get, we get paid to talk and watch football. And I was like, yeah, it is. And I'm sitting here with like Alan Shearer and then Gabby Logan's in the other side of the Winnebago. And then Ali McCoy's walks in as well. And I'm like, this is, this is not right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not work, is it? Let's be honest. Do you get ribbed by your teammates when you come in and go, oh, here she is. Massive time, right. So I've got, so they used to call me just Sky Sports. Um, but then when I did Amazon, they, they, they got from the Amazon Prime and knew that I love Transformers. So now they call me Optimus, as in Optimus Prime. So that's, that's my current nickname at the minute. Um, and I'm yeah, he, he, even the gaffer's like on with it as well, because the gaffer does a bit of talk sport, but even he'll get involved now. So, but yeah, all, all in good fun. I mean, yeah. if you're not getting the mick taken out of you by the teammates then uh, they don't really like you so it's um it's definitely better to have the mick taken out of you than not in in this environment of all of the things to be teased transformers transformers seriously? yeah seriously obsessed transformers and sort of uh marvel avengers especially well, we, can, Iron we Man. can talk about marvel but the transformers thing we need to just you need words <laughs> seriously you need we when we finish we can have we can have that chat yeah, later. we can have that chat. Um, all right, you, you talk a lot about, obviously, the punditry. You, you went from Everton to Liverpool, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's an um, interesting no move. No tension there. How did you do yeah. that Un under the cover of darkness? Or what happened? I tried to, but it, yeah, I think uh, you can't make that move in the quiet. Many have tried and I think 100% have failed. So it was... Um, yeah, it was an interesting one, actually. Um, it's funny because I look back at it now and I wouldn't change anything in my career. I honestly wouldn't because, like I say, if I'd never gone to Liverpool, I never would be doing what I'm doing now and, and met Chris, probably. So um, I'll be honest, like I love my year there at Everton, but I think mentally I wasn't in a, in a fantastic place. 
um, as I've alluded to a bit earlier. And I probably, and I, and I had this, I hope he doesn't mind me saying, I mean, I won't go into the ins of art, is it? But mm. later on, I had this conversation with Andy Spence and I probably put more weight on my, um, on my mental health and contributed it to Everton more than actually it wasn't that. It was just the place I was in. And I think the move, in, in all fairness, it, it did do me good. Um, but yeah, probably later on looking at it, it, it wasn't just Everton. Um, it wasn't at all. I've really, actually, really, really enjoyed my time there. But I think in hindsight, then you're looking at it, Andy then left. Um, I think it was just before Christmas that season. And, and a, a big reason I was there was because of him. Um, there was a lot of girls that left that season as well. So I think, you know, all in all, it, it was the right decision. Um, but yeah, that's just one of them things. It's football. And I think, you know, you, you move clubs. And, and like I said, I've always tried to move to do the right thing, whether that be you know, for my career or for myself. And yeah, I, I wouldn't change it. I had a great first season at Liverpool, as I say, met Chris and, you know, initially went there for Redders as well. And that was one of the, the big draws um, as, a, as a person, as a man, as a manager. It is brilliant. I love working under him, um, even if he does give me some stick from time to time. Um, but yeah, and again, it was just unfortunate. It's one of them things that that didn't quite work out for him. So you know, it, it, it is what it is in that sense. And I think, you know, with, with football, especially in the women's game, you can't get too precious because you're on, you know, two, three-year contracts max. So I think, you know, compared to the men's game, there is a lot more movement and you've got to, I think when you say go where the money is, it sounds a bit crass, but it's different to the men's where you've got to go where the money is because that's where you earn a living. Um, whereas men, you know, they might go for another club to go from 100 grand a week to 150 where we're going just to, to earn a basic living. Mm -hmm. Um, mental health you mentioned mm. you said you weren't you don't you, you said you didn't want to blame the club or you did initially but it wasn't right mm. who do you speak to when you're in that in that period of time where do you go for support uh friends of family um to be fair the 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 club at Everton had a really good mental health support in terms of um a psychologist sort of chaplain um slash yeah, um, dual role. I think for me, I didn't, and I, I, I'm annoyed that I didn't sooner um, because when when I was, you know, getting better, I was better because I was speaking um, about my feelings. Um, and I think to, to me, it was, it was nothing to do with football, really. Um, it was the fact that I think when you're a footballer, from the outside especially, and this is whether it's men's or women's, and I think men get a lot more stick because they earn a lot more money. But I think, like I say, you look from where that I came from and you almost don't want to moan or don't want to say how you feel because it's like you're living the dream. You're playing football. You're getting paid to play football. Some people are killed to be in your position. But when you're not feeling great within yourself, you think, well, I shouldn't be feeling like this. So I'm not going to say anything because people are just going to think that, like you shouldn't be feeling like that because you're a footballer and, and you've got the best life in the world, which I do. I, I do now and I sort of did at the time, but mental health doesn't discriminate against, you know, who you are, your job, what you're doing at the time. And I think I just got in a, in a bit of a rut of not doing the things that, um, you know, protect my mental health, whether that's, you know, it was different. I think moving to Liverpool was quite a big thing for me. Um, not necessarily being at, away from home because I'm not like a because I'd lived away from home before but it was definitely a lot longer and that like my routine was very very different 
um, which was fine. But again, those little things about protecting your mental health, like going out for a coffee with your mates and, you know, exercise is, is a strange one because, you know, you do that within, within the game, but even it's just daft things like going out for a walk or, you know, keeping yourself on top of that. And I stopped doing those things for whatever reason. And I had to sort of figure out why that was. Um, and, and thankfully I, I wasn't in a, in a massively too bad place. And um, I got there in the end, but it's, it's just, I think it's just being honest. I spent so long going, well, you shouldn't be feeling like this. Well, the fact is you are, and a lot of people do. And the sooner that you confront that, um, the better. So yeah, I, I think, you know, anyone that's having mental health problems, I urge them to speak out because the longer you let it fester, um, you know, the worse it gets. Mm. And, and obviously you found someone to speak to, as you said. Do you know what brought that on for you? That time, that period of where you were emotionally, and I'm going to use this word isolated. And it might yeah, be and I think you do. No, I know what you mean, because you probably you're not, you know, from the outside, you've got, you know, teammates, friends, everything else, family in between. But I think at some points you, you isolate yourself or isolate at least that part of yourself. Um, it was funny, actually, I was in Mexico um, and I remember just feeling so content and, and happy. And I just thought I, I was dreading going home. And I just remember thinking, I can't, I can't go back to that. I can't go home and feel like that again. Um, and that was sort of when I, I'd, I'd made that decision. So, yeah, I like I say, having that feeling of contentness. And I, I've always loved my football um, and always will. So the thought of going back and going back to football and sort of dreading it. But it was weird because I'd on the pitch and training, I'd be fine and I'd love it and I've looked forward to it. But as soon as it stopped, I was like, I don't want to go in tomorrow. Um, for, for like no particular reason. It's, it's hard for me to explain now, actually. But yeah, I think being so content and in that place and being and feeling so happy and knowing that I wasn't feeling like that at home made me feel like, right, I need to change and I need to speak about this because it's just going to get worse and worse. Um, so yeah, I'm lucky to have, you know, good people around me. Um, I didn't use anything through the PFA or anything like that, but I know they have numbers you can call. Um, like I say, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was in a massively dark place, but like I say, I think you have to be proactively look after your mental health as much as you do your physical health. And again, I think that's another thing for, for sports people, especially because, you know, you, if you feel a bit of a niggle, you go and see a physio. But sometimes if you feel a bit of a niggle mentally, you just you don't think about it or you put it to the back of your mind. Where now I think I'm so proactive in what I do mentally that, like I say, I, I protect those niggles and and take it as seriously as, you know, as my body, as, as my nutrition, as my training. And I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. I have to say thank you for sharing because it's uh, it's never easy to kind of talk about things that will that trouble someone in their past and will you question yourself in terms of not sure sure why the emotion was there or mm. where the emotion was specifically directed towards and, and you hold it and um, I'm glad you were able to kind of help yourself in a sense but also you have individuals around you to, to that's really important so I'm, I'm glad uh, that you have shared that with me and yes you, you are somewhere well safe mentally which is good um 
playing for Sheffield, obviously, you're a Leicester-born person. Um, mm-hmm. You must feel a little bit aggrieved that they're in the WSL, your hometown club. No, not aggrieved. Um, I was gonna, um, that was a joke. <laughs> very happy. Maybe slightly aggrieved. Not really. No. Um, I sort of know the know the Morgans very well. Um, I think Jonathan used to coach me way back when. I, I think it was got to be the best part of 16 years ago. So I'll spare both our blushes with that in terms of ages. But yeah, um, know Rowan very well. Played with Holly. Um, obviously, Jay's the general manager, so very happy for them. And, you know, as it should be, they should have been on, under the banner of the men's club a, a very long time ago. So I'm glad that, you know, that they've got to that point. But, you know, all credit to them. They will celebrate on Sunday, I'm sure, um, at the King Power, which has been nice. I think, you know, last time I played there was 10 years ago with that shirt on, which was nice with it with a captain's armband. But no, I hope I hope they enjoy it. Um Yes, it's a big thing for Leicester, of course. I think you've seen with, you know, the men's side women winning the Premier League, how big that was for the city. Um, we've got a loyal, a very, very loyal fan base. And, and hopefully that translates when we can get people back in stadiums. That translates over to the women's side as well. That's good. Um, if you ever got the chance, not, I'm, I'm not pushing you for a move. Just make that clear. <laughs> not, just make it clear for those listening. If you ever had the opportunity to go and play for them again, would you take that up? I think it's, it's, I can't say yes or no, but I think it's definitely something considered. It's got to be right. And I think this is the thing that I've learned from football now for me to, to move in with chef. Um, I'm in a good place. Like I'm mentally very happy as well, as well as Redders. Um, but, you know, this is a conversation that I've always had with Redders and, and the club is that I want to be playing at the highest level. Um, and if I ever got that chance to be at the highest level in a WSL again, then I think it's something that I've had to consider whether that be um, Leicester or, or anywhere else. But yeah, of course, you know, the kid inside me that put that shirt on for the last time 10 years ago um, would love to do it again at some point in, in some capacity. So you never know what the future is. You never holds. know. Fingers crossed. Um, I saw you for the first time play live um, when you, you Sheffield United visited Crystal Palace. Mm. and and uh, I was standing on the side and I didn't realise how good Sheffield were because you watch it on the FA player because the, the camera angle's not great, Yeah, that one camera honest. angle doesn't do anyone it's like, any justice, It's like someone's it? mobile phone. It's like, <laughs> come on, uh, FA, please. And, um, and then I saw, obviously, you guys in the flesh and I just couldn't believe how good the team was and how good you were. So obviously I'm speaking to you now and how, you know, we're speaking to one another. It's kind of by fluke. And I, I, I mean, I left that game thinking, oh my gosh, Sheffield United are so good. They should be in the WSL, you know, Courtney Smith Kurt. And you were on the side, I could hear you talking throughout the game. And you know, you use your choice word here and there. Yeah, I've got, once I cross that white line, I'm, I've got a bit of a potty mouth, I'm not going to lie. So but, that's why yeah, I tell but, mum to, to listen to it with the volume down. So she's well, me down. Off, but... Well, obviously, that's fine. But, you know, I have, as a football fan of the women's game, looked at the WSL and thought there needs to be more competitive teams in that league. There's too many, not enough teams. And some of us have said, when I say us, other fans have said, Sheffield United need to be there, Durham need to be there, you know, obviously, um, comes from who else is at the top there, you know, Liverpool was there, you know, it's been, it's been a very competitive 
season this season. If the opportunity came about and the FA said we're going to change the WSR and we're going to promote five teams or four teams, you know, what would that mean for you and Sheffield? If that, I mean, it's a hypothetical. Yeah. It's a big hypothetical because I know Sheffield, I'm, I'm guessing you might correct me that you're part-time at the moment. Or you're part-time. We are. What would that mean for you? Would you have to make a decision and say, I don't want to do it because you're making me full-time because I've got work elsewhere and I won't earn enough? Or would you I think it, yeah. It very much depends. I think if that was to happen, I think every club in the WSL, well, I think it from, from the licensing rules anyway, has to has to be full-time. So then it is... Obviously, the burden then is is on the club in whether how much they want to invest. Um, I think for me, as I, I've just said, you're a long time retired. So if I got the chance to be full time again, I would grab it with both hands without a doubt if it felt right. Um, and I think still, like I say, you see in men's now, men's players being able to fit it in. Um, and I'd like to think I'd, I'd be able to do that Um and do what well, probably wouldn't do as much media, but I'd be able to do full-time football and the media side of it as well. And I, I think I totally agree. Um, the championship has been so competitive. And I think the, you know, you see it in terms of at the bottom of the WSL as well, how competitive that is. And for me, the top four teams in our league and the top four teams in the WSL, there's not a lot between them. And I think to, to give a better product, you know, to, to go more on the business side of it and say it like that. I don't like that sort of business speak, but to give a better product, open it up to more people, especially with the Sky deal coming in, I think that league does need more teams. Um, so, yeah, you never know. Stranger yeah. things in women's football well, have definitely happened. Well, I have to, I have to say as a fan, and, and, and I've spoken to other fans, we have been talking about this for months, that the WSL needs to be a bigger league. And there are fixtures that kind of, you know, you look at it and you think, oh, Arsenal will win. Oh, City mm. will win. You kind of roll your eyes because you just know what's coming. And I've watched enough of the championship this season. You know, being able to go to Crystal Palace and London City Linus, I've seen so many different teams. I tried to, to get to both the grounds and see. So I've watched it and obviously I've seen Durham. And I'm like thinking, they're, they're WSL teams. Mm. They're WSL teams. But then there's the finance aspect, which is why I posed the question about part-time, full-time. So this is the thing. And, and I know you have two roles, football player, Sky Sports commentator. The deal, right? It's come out 75%, 25%. As a fan, me, I look at it and think it could be a different way. I think it, as a fan, I say it could be 60-40. Yeah. As a player, and this, I'm going to pose the question to you as, as two separate individuals, as a player, is it a great deal? As a pundit, is it a great deal? It's difficult because the, I, I could be very wrong with this, but from what I know, they're only showing WSL games, not championship games. Yes. So when, so if I've got like my pundit slash sports business hat on you have to look at it is who's going to earn you the most money money yeah. the wsl yeah that's the you'd think is the better product you think 
But then you look at the championship, it's been so competitive. And if anything, I think at times, and especially with the, you know, you look at the top four and how close it's been in those games. And not just that, you've got, you know, London City have maybe didn't start very well, but then they took, what, they beat Leicester 4-1 at their place. Yeah, and you've got so many different results. Uh, Bees at the weekend beat Blackburn. So there's there's more of those random results in the championship than there is in a WSL. So for me, it is probably more exciting, but I suppose the main product is the WSL. Um, I would probably say 70-30 at least would be better, if not 65-35. I understand where it comes from. It's, but for me, the bigger question for this and for women's football to move forward, so we've just had Leighton Orient pull the funding yeah, for the women, yeah? Great. So women's football's had to be different. Men's football for years, they've started bottom up. So they grew the foundation, loads of people in stadiums. Then Sky came in in 1992 because they had that big foundation. B Sky, B could turn around and go, we're going to charge you this, this and this to watch. You've got that many loyal fans that you can do that. Whereas the women's game, and it's the way it's had to be, and we can talk about being banned for 50 years and we can go that far back. But we've had to concentrate on the elite product of the WSL and the championship, but then the foundations have struggled. So for me, there's only so long, even with the Sky deal, that we can operate like this. Because at some point, whether it's the men's club, whether it's Sky, whether it's business partners will go, this isn't making us any money. Or the, the pyramid isn't big isn't good enough. And this is what we need to do for me, tier three and below. We need to help them. So then the championship can be full-time, then tier three can be part-time and then it goes up. Then tier three can be full-time and then tier four can be, and we keep going. So for me, we need to make sure that it's not just about the WSL and it's not just about the championship, but the full pyramid of women's football. Yeah. Well, you know, I, You've kind of answered the question that I, I, I've been putting to my friends for a few, a few weeks, months now. WSL needs to increase in size, funding split in terms of the deal. And you said 65, 35, yeah, I, I get that. Still needs to be, and if you take the top four teams from the championship up to the WSL, tier three top teams from there, and then you kind of grow, well, not the, I don't like the product, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The, the base. Um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to know what your take was on that. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you've actually, because it's difficult when you're actually working, you're working for the broadcaster and you're a player. So you yeah. have to, you're looking at it from the professional's point of view in terms of business, but also you go in and you've got to play the game. Yeah, you, you've got to... You know, a different outlook. Yeah, and, you, and you've got to, you know, you're probably looking at it from Sky's perspective. They're going to want to show the games that they think will draw the most attention mm. um, and viewers. So, and you know what? You know, Sky, they're putting a lot of money into it. And the, the big thing that I like about it is it's not going to just be one random camera. They're going to do it properly. They're going to put the same attention to it as they would any other game. So hopefully that, that, will, that will help our game. But for me, the long-term sustainability of the game still very much worries me. Okay. Well, thank you for, for, for sharing that. And I'm glad that it worries you because it's definitely worrying fans. 
Um, we're on to the final stretch for, you know, next steps. Um, I looked on Sheffield United's page. There was a quote from you. And it says that I think throughout my career, I've been a leader and I thrived off that even when I was younger. It's something that I do at every club. I like to bring that as a part of who I am. Now, I get that from you, just talking to you now, you know, in terms of as a player, your view on the leagues, what you think the, the sustainability is for the game and as your punditry of, listen, I think to myself, you are a leader. A lot of people talk about role models in football. So you've, you've, you know, you've categorised yourself as a leader, but are you a leader stroke role model or are you just a leader? I think maybe other people and other people have said this, that I'm potentially a role model. I probably, I don't see myself as a role model, if that makes sense. Um, maybe that's just the sort of me. Cause again, I'll just see myself as the little kid on the estate, kicking the ball around and enjoying my life. So, but no, I think it's important that you've, you, you need to understand when you're in, you know, you've got certain attention on you in whether it's the, the media or social media in clubs that you've got a, a bit of a responsibility to conduct yourself in a, in a certain way. And look, footballers aren't angels. Um, we're just normal people. We're human beings, but we have been given a platform um, that, that, in my opinion, should use. And one of the things I always say is you should leave the world in a better place than the, what you found it. And it's the same with women's football. I think especially this generation that have gone from paying subs and paying to play to now being paid to play football, we have to leave it in another elevated place for the next generation. Um and I think for me, the more I look into it and think about it, you've got, obviously, as I say, Alex is doing so well with a punditry. Sue Smith was one of the trailblazers. So, you know, they, they've been fantastic role models for me in that sense as a footballer. Um, in the women's game, recently retired, Farrah Williams, my idol within women's football. Um, so... Yeah, leader first, role model by default, I would say. But I, I do sort of try and take that seriously and, and conduct myself in the right way, I would say. You do. Um, again, another hypothetical. If you were in charge of, of the FA in some capacity, uh, if you could name or change at least two things, what would you do to improve the game? I think the diversity at the top. Well, within the, the the whole of the FA needs to change. I know there was something they brought out a few months ago, wasn't it? The diversity code. But in terms of, I think this is another one I'm going to steal from Alex Scott. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And I think that's great within, you know, we've got a lot of diversity within um, players in the men's game. Within the women's game, actually, not so much um, in terms of ethnic diversity. Um, but going forward, with, within boards, we need to see people of all different genders and, and races because it's easy to have it on ground level. But I think we now need to elevate that and the people that are making decisions. Um, so I think that's that's very important, the, the diversity within the higher echelons of the FA. Um, and secondly, this, this might be quite controversial, but... This is something for my dissertation that I spoke to Kelly Simmons about and going forward. And I think the FA need to let go of the WSL. 
I think for me, it needs to be independent at some point. Um, and that's, that's not a slight on the FA at all because they have done a fantastic job with it. But for me, they have a... Their priority at the end of the day is participation in the England squads. And I think for the women's football to really go to the next level, it needs to go to an independent body, whether that be the Premier League. I don't know. We've had the, I've had this sort of discussion. Would the Premier League just focus more on the men anyway? Would it need to be someone entirely independent? Um, and like I say, that's not anything against the FA to where they've grown the game. But for me, there's a conflict of interest there in, in terms of the way it's run. And like I say, when, when I had that conversation with Kelly, like I said, she said at the end of the day, running elite leagues historically isn't what we do. We do participation in the, in the England squads and, and stuff like that. So that's the, the two things that I would change. You know what? I wasn't expecting that. You really jumped. When you said it might be controversial, I thought, mm, what? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, last question, because I've, re I've really enjoyed this. I, I actually want to speak to you again at some point. I hope that's possible. Yeah, really of course. Um, as a striker, you are, you know, you're a striker. What is your best footballing quality? Oh, I would say I'm a nuisance and in the, in the best possible way. I don't give defenders a minute. I think my out of possession is just as strong and as important as my in possession. Obviously, I think I'm, I'm you know, my record would say I'm a decent finisher. Um, but yeah, I think the, the best thing is I'm just a nuisance and I don't give defenders rest and I make them make mistakes and... I make my own look. Secondly, a close second, I would say being in the right place at the right time. And I think a lot of people think that's luck, not just, not just in terms of me, but with strikers, but it's not easy to be in the right place at the right time. You know what? A great way to end as a striker, being in the right place at the right time. That's, what you, that's where you've been. That's yeah. where you are. And, and I, actually, you being um, a part of Sky Sports team and being a pundit is the right place at the right time visibility we need to hear your voice and your story i think apart from just speaking to me it needs to be heard by many many more people you need to make sure that you get your book out is it a book coming out <laughs> yeah maybe give that five or so years let me get cram some more life in yet before Listen, i start there are writing people out there who've written books and they haven't even lived so you need to start penning it now I need to go on a reality TV show to get a book deal, maybe. <laughs> um, thank you, Courtney, very much for spending your time and sharing your journey uh, with me today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this one. This was an interview with Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. I'm Rodney Cyrus, and I'll see you all again very soon. Bye for now.